0: USC's finally making the adjustments and commitment they need two years too late.
1: You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On podcast. Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit Fanduel.com/slash locked on to get started. USC, the best coach hires of 2024 and cam ward to miami all coming up on today's show but usc over the last couple of seasons have struggled with one particular side of the ball this may surprise you it hasn't been the offense no lincoln riley's teams are yet to struggle offensively but here they are finally making a commitment an actual demonstrative commitment to the defensive side of the football and they're doing it two years too late this is a USC program that, because Lincoln Riley refused to have anyone but Alex Grinch as his defensive coordinator for the better part of the last two seasons, cost Caleb Williams an opportunity to play for a national championship. You look at what Brian Kelly had happen at LSU this year. Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback in Jaden Daniels. Defense, horrible. What happened? They made changes. They said, no, this is not good enough. But this blind spot for Lincoln Riley reared its head at Oklahoma when they would get to the playoff and they couldn't stop a nosebleed. And then they came over to USC as a staff and there were no adjustments. There there were no adjustments. It was the same bunch of problems because Lincoln Riley refused to make a change. And bringing Alex Grinch with him from Oklahoma never made any sense in the first place. And everyone remembers at least recently USC going eight and five in the twenty twenty three season, which was a massive, massive letdown in Los Angeles. They were a preseason top ten team. I, I was putting them at the locked in the lockdown poll preseason top five because they brought in defensive personnel better than what they had the year prior. And somehow the season was worse. But the season before that with Caleb Williams, the year he won the Heisman, they were an 11-1 football team. They were one game away, one game against Utah away from going to the college football playoff and having a chance to compete for a national championship. What happened? Caleb Williams got a little hobbled in the game. and And, and when the offense isn't guns blazing and you're playing in a shootout with Lincoln Riley, historically, yeah, that means you're going to lose. Because the defense couldn't stop anyone. I mean, the most epic play in that game was Money Parks scoring like a 60 yard touchdown plus on third and eighteen. And four USC guys ran into each other. It was a mess. It was a mess. And so Lincoln Riley's had this as his blind spot for the last couple of years, but they're now making a concerted effort on the defensive side of the ball. So they have hired Deanton Lynn from UCLA. This guy was outstanding this year. He was so good that UCLA, with a a less talented roster overall, beat USC in the Coliseum this past season. That is not something that should have happened, but it did. And DeAnton was a big reason why. So so Lincoln Riley, finally, after dismissing Alex Alex Grinch prior to the Oregon game, said, you know what? Here's something that I've never done before, and I'm going to go for it. I I am going to make the. I'm going to make an investment on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is going to pay off and it'll help USC be a contender in the Big Ten in 2024. Because DeAnton Lynn was a stud hire from UCLA. And for USC to go to their crosstown rival and just pluck him off and make him their defensive coordinator is one heck of a move. But when you're the bigger brand of the two in a city that's got two college football teams, That's how you operate. And and this feels more like old school USC. We'll see what the results on the field actually are come this fall. But the results for UCLA's defense this year, DeAnton Lynn inherited a good amount of talent, no doubt about it, as he came down from the NFL. But he did an outstanding job and called what was probably the best defense in the Pac-12 this past season. And it's a great fit because Lynn is going to a place where he is going to be the top dog on the defensive side of the ball. He's not going to have a head coach or anybody else chirping in his ear. How do I know that's something he's familiar with? Because Chip Kelly historically, not exactly in tune with what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. Way back in the Oregon days, Chip Kelly used to coach the offense, focus on the offense, and he let Nick Aliotti run the defense. Well, this guy, DeAnton Lynn, has proven to be a really good coordinator, and it's, pl- it's paying off with personnel as well. You've got Kamari Ramsey coming over. You've got a returning player, among others, in Bear Alexander that are going to be staples of this defense come 2024 for the Trojans. Kamari Ramsey's a safety. Kamari Ramsey's a guy that was a good player for UCLA this past season. They brought in two transfers, the Arnold brothers from Oregon State, Easton Mascarenas Arnold and Achille Arnold, a linebacker and a safety. USC, this is what I'm talking about with the investment that they are making. USC has brought in a top 20 transfer portal class in 2024 in in, in this cycle as it currently stands. There's another window, but they've brought in a solid haul of players. Of the 11 additions via the transfer portal, seven of them. on the defensive side of the ball seven of them this is not something that lincoln riley used to do it didn't used to be a big priority like this this feels like a changing of the tide a shifting of the guard mentally for lincoln riley where he realized this season bottoming out with a seven and five year his worst season ever as a head coach in college football first time in a full season he did not win 10 or more games it's the first time he's still a very good head coach this track record is very good but this has always been a blind spot for him and he's finally making the change for him to make this hire bring in these sorts of players and just demonstrate that he takes that that side of the ball seriously has to be a, a strong sense of why couldn't you have done this two years ago because if he'd had this sort of mindset a couple of years ago when he first was hired to USC and he would said, sorry, Alex Grinch, the defenses at Oklahoma weren't very good. And they were not. They were not. But he decided to stick with him and it cost him a chance to compete for a national championship, not once but twice. I, I, I thought that they should have gone out. USC and hired Jim Leonard who wanted to be the Wisconsin head coach. They hired Luke Fickle instead. Jim Leonard, a very respected defensive mind. I thought at the time that would have been an appropriate hire going into the 2023 season after the mess that was the 2022 season defensively in which USC lost three games, allowing over 40 points in all of them. Leonard's a guy who maybe wants to be a head coach. Maybe he wouldn't have stuck around. But at the very least, with a Heisman quarterback, with one of the bet, with the future number one pick in the NFL draft, you would be fully committed in a way that could allow you to compete at the highest level. And there has not been a team to win a national championship that it wasn't at least solid, decent, or respectable on defense. USC has not been that under Lincoln Riley. They have been horrible. But DeAnton Lynn can change that. He's bringing in players who can make an impact right away. And as a defensive coordinator, it was a short tenure at UCLA, but boy, was it impressive. Some hires go better than others. Which ones are going to work out in college football? Well, that's a really, really interesting question because there have been a lot of hires in the coaching carousel. But aside from Kalen DeBoard, Alabama, who else has been a great hire this offseason? Jace Medical will be a great move for you. I I, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, which is not something that you would like to hear i can't imagine a more helpless feeling than needing a particular medication and not being able to get it thankfully jace medical's here to help the jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial infections including utis respiratory infections sinusitis skin infections among others this stuff could happen to any of us and you want to be prepared Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and mentioned, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's jacemedical.com. Use that offer code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $20 off your order. Do you find it hard to keep up with the coaching carousel? Who's moving where? Who's still around? Where are the players? That's what the show is here to do. This is Locked On College Football. If you're new here, thank you so much for uh, being here. Very much appreciate it. So a lot of hires have been made this off season. We're all very well aware of that. Kalen DeBoer is the best one. Kalen DeBoer, as I rank my top five coaching hires here going into 2024 in college football, Kalen DeBoer is the number one hire and I, I just look at what he has done in his career and anyone who doubts that he can have success in Tuscaloosa because he's not a Southern guy. He's not a big recruiter. Was he, could he want the NFL one day? Like, well, This is a guy who's won at a high level everywhere he's been. Why is that going to change when you give him Alabama's brand resources and location? I, I, I don't know why that's going to change. Their roster is going to change. They're not going to have Jermaine Burton. They're not going to have Isaiah Bond. They won't have Jace McClellan. Like, there, there are a lot of guys who are not going to be on Alabama's roster next year. But Nick Saban has had a history of stacking one good recruiting class, not good, great, on top of another, on top of another. It's not as if there are a bunch of one- and two-star kids who aren't even good enough to play Power 5 college football sitting down there. This is a situation in which Kalen DeBoer has to assess his roster. Yes, and he's got to make it work. It'll be different than last year. But he's had a track record of success with quarterbacks. I think he could be great for Jalen Milroe in 2024. And I think that in the first year, what are the expectations for the tide? Let's let bring football play out before we make those sorts of assumptions or make those sorts of predictions because it's January. It's January and we don't have all the information yet. Can't solve an equation without all the variables. So I think there's a ways to go on that front, but DeBoer has just been a, a bona fide winner, which applies a lot more to coaches than it does to players. When you're talking about whether or not he'll succeed at, at at a different place or at a bigger place. Well, you know this is a narrative that gets tossed around with college quarterbacks sometimes. Well, he's a winner. He's he he's a winner. Well, teams win games, coaches win games with great players. But just because you won a lot of games in college doesn't mean you'll you'll win a lot in the NFL. But Kalen DeBoer won at Washington. He won at Fresno State. He won at Sioux Falls. He won everywhere he's been. Every football place he touches, he wins. I think that's the best hire so far this offseason in all of college football next one this is going to be flying under the radar for college football fans right up until it isn't i am going to hammer home on this show for everydayers out there because it's important to remember in the 12 team playoff there is going to be a group of five team that gets in every single year at least as the playoff is currently structured assuming they officially make the move which hasn't formally happened yet but should be on the way to coming to fruition to the five highest ranked conference champions and seven at-large bids one of those conference champions in the power four conference era really it's the power two and the next two that being the power two big 10 icc the next two the acc and the big 12. the next highest ranked conference champion is going to be a group of five team so when i tell you that i think the second best hire this off season in all of college football is john sumrall down at tulane you may look at me like i'm crazy you may think spencer why are you talking about tulane you mean that team that beat lincoln riley and usc in the cotton bowl two years ago I mean, a team that was back in the American Conference title game this season and had Willie Fritz, which is also a solid hire, did not crack the top five there for the Houston Cougars over in the Big 12 for me, but I think he can do a good job. If he hadn't departed, they might have been 12-1 and playing in a New Year's 6 game once again, and in that projected 12-team playoff, if it were in place this year, which it wasn't, so it was always silly to bring up, but that's just how college football works, Tulane would have been in that mix. And so John Sumral comes over from Troy, where you probably didn't watch a single Troy game over the last last couple of years. That's okay. Here's all you need to know. He went twenty-three and four at a program that was, shall we say, not having that much success prior to his arrival. Over the last couple of seasons, he's got a Sun Belt championship under his belt. And right now, the reason I have him so high on this list and why Tulane, once again, is going to be a contender for a G5 spot in the college football playoff is that he is bringing in talent in a way that we just haven't really seen it Tulane Willie Fritz was doing it with guys who no one had ever heard of. Do you know the name Mario Williams? Probably because you're a college football fan if you're listening to or watching this show. Mario Williams, yeah, he's still around. Oklahoma, USC, yeah, he's going to Tulane. They picked up another receiver from Alabama. They picked up Ty Thompson from Oregon. That was a former five-star quarterback recruit. They've brought in three players, a quarterback and two pass catchers that were blue chip prospects coming out of high school that played major college football at the Power Five level. That's what John Sumrall's doing down there. As you look at that American conference, I I think the American champion or the Mountain West champion has got an excellent chance to be the highest ranked conference champion and get into the 12 team playoff in 2024. And when you look at the green wave of Tulane and what John Summerall has the chance to do, he looks like he's building a roster to compete for a playoff spot right here, right now. Ty Thompson is not supremely experienced, mega talented kid, mega talented, highest rated quarterback recruit in the history of Oregon football. I like that John Sumrall hire from Troy. Number three, let's go up to East Lansing. Let's talk about Jonathan Smith at Michigan State. Here's a guy who took over an Oregon State program that has never been to a conference championship game, has not played a game on New Year's Day of a major bowl variety since the early 2000s when <clears throat> Jonathan Smith was the quarterback, by the way. He took it over after a season in which they went 1-11, and It is one of the worst college football teams of the last 20 years. There's 2022 Colorado. There's 2017 Oregon State. There are a lot of, there are some Kansas teams that were bad. There have been some bad teams. That program was way down and not a historically great one. And what did he do? He came in and he won 18 games in the last two seasons once he built it up. Well, Michigan State has got more money, resources, facility, pedigree, everything like that. This is a guy who knows how to coach. He brought key members of his staff, not his defensive coordinator, not his defensive coordinator, who was a very important part. He's now the head coach over there in Corvallis, a guy by the name of Trent Bray, who I think can do well. But Jonathan Smith is someone who knows how to coach. And he's someone who fits Michigan State because they're not big. They're not flashy. They just kind of roll along. They work in silence sometimes. And Michigan State is a place where if you have the right coach like Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State has as many college football playoff appearances as Texas in the four-team era. Crazy statement to say, I know. A true statement as well. They can be a contender. It might not happen right away. But being a head coach... Part of the way that we assess you is what sort of talent can you bring in? Well, he's got Aiden Childs there. He was going to be the quarterback of the future in Corvallis. Instead, he's going to be that guy in East Lansing. Mega, mega talent at that position. So Jonathan Smith is at number three. Staying out West, Jed Fish, number four at Washington. Going into a situation in which he is taking over a roster that just doesn't have anybody from last year. It's a complete start over. Here's the thing. He took Arizona, another non-traditional power, from one win in his first year to 10 wins this past year. He did that after year three. He did it even quicker than Jonathan Smith did it at Oregon State. If you can build Arizona into a 10-win program that quickly, when they had lost 12 consecutive games when you were hired, I have pretty, pretty good faith that he'll be able to win games at Washington. Might not be right away, like Jonathan Smith in Michigan State. Might not happen immediately, but I think it'll happen. And number five, Mike Elko over at Texas A&M. You know what I love most about this hire? Like Jonathan Smith, it's not that flashy. Texas A&M has been all about flash. They've been all about attention. They've been all about recruiting and money and, brand- and all this sort of stuff. That's always what they've been about. When that hasn't worked over and over again, sometimes you need a change in direction. Mike Elko feels like a guy who's going to bite off a $2 stake and say, this is how we're playing football, and we're going to win football games. And he, again, came from a place at Duke where he was the head coach previously, had a stint at Texas A&M. That's part of the reason they hired him. So he understands what it's like to be there. He also understands what needs to happen that hasn't been happening there in College Station. So my top five coaching hires this offseason, Kalen DeBoer at Alabama, number one. John Sumrall at Tulane, number two. Jonathan Smith at Michigan State, number three. Jed Fish at Washington, number four. And Mike Elko at Duke, number five. Cam Ward is going to Miami, by the way. Oh, I have so many thoughts. I have many thoughts about FanDuel as well, including why you should go check it out if you have not already. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's that simple. You don't even have to be right. You just place the $5. Then you get 150 in bonus bets. Easy money, literally. 115 bonus bets whether you win or lose the app is super easy to use you can do live same game parlays you can find bets in the new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub which is the best place to find popular parlays you can do all those things and so much more you can already look at some games that are going to play on the field in 2024 and you can bet those lines how about that so visit fanduel.com locked on make your first bet a layup fanduel dot com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of the NFL. I'm joined now here on Locked On College Football by Alex Dono, our standout host of Locked On at Miami Hurricanes. Check him out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about Cam Ward. Your initial reaction to the Canes getting a
1: guy who was initially NFL draft bound. I was shocked when it happened on Saturday night. I was shocked by the timing. I was really shocked that it even happened in the first place. Um, you know, At the same time, I know how hard Miami recruited him. Uh, I know how hard they tried to get him, and it ultimately paid off. But the timeline was crazy. Uh, this is one of the weirder recruiting slash transfer portal sagas that I've ever covered. Because Spencer, usually when something goes on for this long, it doesn't end up going well. For Miami, right there, people were drawing comparisons to a recruiting saga from last year with Cormani McLean, like the way this Cam Ward thing drew out. Because you know, as soon as he hit the transfer portal back in December, Miami became a contender instantly. They got him down for a visit. They pulled out all the stops for that visit, including an appearance at uh, by Rick Ross, the famous rapper, at you know, arguably the best restaurant in all of Miami in Prime One Twelve. Like they hit it out of the park with the visit. They tried to lock him down that week or that day, but he did visit Florida State. And then the waiting game started. And then on January 1st, Cam Ward announced he was going to the NFL. Now, Spencer, even for a few days after that, there were some doubts because one thing that Ward didn't do, and it's why he was still able to return to college, was he never hired an NFL agent. So he never officially uh, forfeited his eligibility for another season. But he was working out with a quarterback's coach. Uh, He and his father, who did a lot of interviews, Calvin Ward, were kind of saying all the right things about him being committed to the NFL. And then this past Saturday night, we get the bombshell that he's committing to Miami. So the way that this played out is Miami was still keeping in pretty steady contact with Ward. It had it, it wasn't the same sort of contact they had before he declared for the NFL draft they were in conversation with him electronically daily. He was getting texts. He was getting phone calls from Cristobal, Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator. After he declared for the NFL draft, it was one of those things where Miami would check in on him weekly. And the way that Ward's mother described it was Miami happened to call Cristobal called him and checked in on him, I guess at the right time where Ward was maybe having a a few doubts about his NFL stock. Uh, I'd seen him mocked mostly as a third day draft pick and I think in Ward's mind and he has he has an opportunity to prove it on the field he feels that you know in his mind he's a first round NFL talent but unfortunately that wasn't the feedback he was getting and I think that there was a little bit of frustration there that he probably wasn't going to be or wouldn't be this year drafted as highly as he thinks he should be uh so ultimately he decided to come back to college for a year and of course down here in South Florida very thankful he chose Miami
0: yeah he's a really talented guy began his career at incarnate word at the fcs level over in the southland conference last two years at washington state compiled a record uh, of 12 and 13 up there in pullman not the easiest place to win but certainly one that has built a winning tradition and they're definitely i i know because i've spoken with several of them washington state fans that are more down on cam ward's prospects i'm not in that particular camp Their vantage point is, look, Washington State made a bowl game six or seven years in a row, and they didn't make one this year after a 4-0 start. They got off to a blistering pace. They were number 13 in the AP poll at 4-0. They had wins over Wisconsin. They had wins over Oregon State. It was a great start to the year, and then it all kind of fell apart. Sometimes that was Cam Ward's fault. Sometimes it was not. They, they had a loss at home against Stanford in which they scored just one offensive touchdown, and that was a 3-9 Stanford team. They had another loss against Cal in which, their, in which their defense gave up over 40 points. So it's definitely a mixed bag, and that has been the Cam Ward experience, is when he's very good, he is making elite NFL-caliber throws with pinpoint precision particularly down the field and on the move that's what this guy can bring to the table but there's another side where he turns the ball over he's had fumble problems he's had some interception problems that i think got a little bit better as, as he played his second year at the power five level coming from the fcs but talk about him in comparison from what you know about him to to tyler van dyke who's off to wisconsin in the in the quarterback carousel What can he do that Tyler Van Dyke was not able to do?
1: Well, the first big thing is his ability to extend plays and make off-schedule plays. That's Tyler Van Dyke. There wasn't a whole lot of ability to improvise. There wasn't a whole lot of ability to make something out of nothing. Uh, He did hit some big-time throws at times in Miami, but he doesn't have kind of that electric playmaking ability that Cam Ward in theory, brings to the table. The other thing with Van Dyke, and and you did bring up turnover issues with Ward. So this is not not a perfect fix to that problem. Uh, But Van Dyke, on his best Saturday, would go out there and look like a first-round draft pick. On his worst Saturday, would look like a guy who can't read a defense and just can't figure anything out. So those were the consistency issues with Van Dyke. And it's one of the big debates that Miami fans and a lot of college football fans had was how much of that is on Van Dyke or how much of that is on, on the coaching or even the fact that in three years he had three different offensive coordinators. So there wasn't a whole lot of consistency there from a coaching standpoint. But I think the hope would be if you compare a guy like Cam Ward to Tyler Van Dyke. Van Dyke has a, a very high ceiling, very low floor. Uh, there would be some hope that Ward could bring a little bit more consistency because there were some Saturdays when Van Dyke just looked completely lost and completely off psychologically Uh, and then you know just the ability to extend plays I think is a big thing that Ward brings to the table and you know hopefully a little bit more consistent accuracy because again there were definitely some deep throws where Tyler Van Dyke would just uh, puzzlingly miss a lot of throws short and get intercepted on deep passes so uh, I think Miami's hoping to hoping to fix some of those things with Ward coming in.
0: So my concern about Cam Ward going to Miami from Ward's vantage point is not that he's going to make plays, and I I have no doubt that no matter where he goes, he'd be, you know, somewhat of an inconsistent player. That's just what he is at this point in time. I do think there's another gear for him. I think there is a guy who, you know, as a football player, can be a better version than what we've seen and be more consistently the best version of himself. But I raised this concern several weeks ago about Cam Ward going to Miami because it was being rumored at the time. Now, of course, it's official that he's going to Mario Cristobal, whose track record with quarterbacks, any way you slice it, is bad. There, there isn't even a silver lining. You know, I, I'm an Oregon guy and I'm, I'm very well versed in this. He had Justin Herbert, did not develop him to his maximum potential. The, the guy who was ready and waiting, Tyler Shuck. Ended up having to transfer, couldn't hold on to the starting job, didn't fully develop. Five-star quarterback recruit Ty Thompson never materialized into a starter. Anthony Brown always left more to be desired. Tyler Van Dyke, Alex just touched on all the struggles that he had at times as Miami's quarterback. The track record is not good for Mario Cristobal. Why can Cam Ward be different?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, um, and I'm sure you guys heard this uh, over in Oregon covering that team, there is definitely a hope that Mario Cristobal allows some of his assistants a little bit more, a little bit more leeway, and a little bit less micromanaging from his standpoint. Now, with that said, uh, the jury is still out from a Miami standpoint on offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, who's also the quarterbacks coach. Now, on the plus side for him, uh, it, it seemed like he did great work with Clayton Toon in his final year uh, at Houston, and you know, going back a little while, he was the uh, the quarterbacks coach for Geno Smith at West Virginia. And of course, Geno Smith uh, had, you know, great uh, put up great college numbers and did a great job there and all that. So Shannon Dawson has had his fingerprints on some really good quarterbacks who have had successful seasons. So that that's one of the things you think of. But I get it. Like what you're talking about, a lot of people throw out the term quarterback killer in terms of Mario Cristobal. I, I think that if you look from Ward's vantage point. Um, he definitely sees a good offensive line at Miami. He sees a good stable of running backs. That That's an area, offensive line and also running back, where Miami's absolutely loaded to try to take some of that pressure off of him. Uh, Mark Fletcher heading into his second year uh, had a dynamic first year at Miami. Uh, A.J. Allen, Henry Parrish, uh, a guy that we haven't really seen yet because he's had injury troubles his first couple of years, Trevante Citizen. There's very high hopes for him as well. Go ahead. And
0: and, and one point I want to interject on that is that's something he did not have at Washington State right their offensive line struggled they never developed a running game in either year that he was there so if you're a canes fan thinking this is all doom and gloom based on how we're framing this discussion that's not entirely the case i'm not that high on crystal ball with the quarterbacks but having a great offensive line having a running game those are things that cam ward has not had before
1: yeah, exactly. That's well said. That's definitely a contrast from his time at Washington State. Uh, I think Miami could probably try to add another veteran receiver in the transfer portal, but they're in decent shape at wide receivers. Xavier Restrepo had an all-conference season in the ACC last year. Jacoby George had a really good year. Uh, Miami, for whatever reason, didn't use their tight ends enough in the passing game last year. That's something I hope that they incorporate. And I think another important thing to consider, Spencer, is to why Ward Uh, did decide that Miami could be a good fit for him. I think there's definitely been a collaboration on trying to put him in situations offensively that can help him improve his NFL draft stock. Whether it plays out that way or not is yet to be seen. But I know something that Ward is interested in is working uh, from more pro-style concepts than he was working out of at Washington State because he feels like that's something, if he can develop that a little bit more and get some more stuff under center on film uh, that can you know, help him improve his NFL draft stock for, for next year. And I think that there were definitely uh, in agreement, and that's something obviously Cristobal would not be opposed to. Shannon Dawson historically comes from an air raid coaching tree, but there were probably some concessions on his part to say, we are willing to tweak and adapt the offense for you to hopefully maximize Ward's strengths and to also help him improve his NFL draft stock if he can round out his abilities a little bit more.
0: Last thing real quick before we wrap up today's show, does this make Miami an ACC contender having Cam Ward at quarterback?
1: Yeah, it should. Um obviously if Miami's not an ACC contender uh, this coming season, it means one of two things. Either the team was absolutely ravaged by injuries, uh, or you get some of those coaching mistakes like not taking a knee when you can finish the game with a victory. <laughs> I wasn't going
0: to break it up. I wasn't going to break it up.
1: I've been I've been I've been burned by it before. I wasn't going to bring it up.
0: Alex Dotto, Locked On Canes. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Spencer McLaughlin, Locked On College Football. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.